Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. And uh, today we are reviewing, I, I guess, the spooky season is over. So Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Megan's going to be terrifying, but for completely different reasons. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we are no longer uh, doing uh, spooky movies. Now we're doing Oscar movies. It's Oscar season, C. Woo! We did it. We, we kept this. Hold on, Al, for just a moment. We kept this podcast going to Oscar season. I, I'd like to thank the Academy, honestly. Exactly. exactly. Thank, thank you to uh, Will Smith for slapping Chris Rock. Yeah, that was the inciting incident to all of this. That was that was the inciting incident of all of this. Because I was like, because originally I wasn't, I, for a while I was like hesitant. And then when that happened, I was like, no, I need to talk about that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And here we are. Here we are. But yeah. uh, no, I'm so excited that it's Oscar season now because listen, yeah. I'm, I, I hate being that stereotype of a cinephile where it's like, oh, the only good movies are the ones that come out during Oscar season. No, I'm not like that. No, but about a half of a third to half of them do. Uh, a third to half of them are usually really compelling cinema. Like, yeah. like really, like, like. Listen, you're gonna have your years where it's like uh, nothing was particularly noteworthy, and then mm-hmm. sometimes you're gonna get years where everything was like amazing, and you have trouble choosing which was the best of them. Like the year Birdman won, it was like, what do we pick? <laughs> exactly. Or um, or the year the Social Network didn't win. Yeah, Again, 2010. Yeah, exactly. It was a great year. And you know, I'm I'm particularly excited for this season because. It seems like we're going to get more movies that are kind of out there. Well, I think that's been the trend that we've been seeing for the year. Yeah, Um, yeah. And sometimes out there hasn't always worked. Uh, Yeah, obviously. But, Um, hey. But, yeah, no, our first official, like, quote-unquote Oscar season movie is actually from a very acclaimed writer-director, Martin McDonough. Yes. Uh, He is an Irish filmmaker. for those of you who aren't into the whole cinephile scene, most of you would know him as the director of a, of pretty much the comeback Colin Farrell movie in Bruges, uh, which was yes. actually his first collaboration with Colin Farrell. Yeah, and um, it's a great, great, great movie. Yeah, it was it was that it was that one movie where everyone was always like, "You haven't seen in Bruges, dude." You need to see no, it Bruges. was it was the it was the film school litmus test, I think. Exactly. At, the, at at one point, later it became other things, but at one point it was the film school litmus test. Exactly, and um, yeah, so he came out with in Bruges, I believe, back in two thousand and eight. Yeah, it was say? a while back. It was a while back. I remember it came out uh, many. Like I, I remember it came out. There was like a a big gap between in Bruges and uh, his second his sophomore. Yeah, in Bruges was two thousand eight. His uh, sophomore film, uh, Seven Psychopaths, which came out in 2012, 2013, I believe. Yeah, basically the way I remember it is, oh yeah, In Bruges came out, well, right before I went to college. And Seven Psychopaths, I was deep in film school at that point. Exactly, yeah. So a little bit of uh, history for Mark McDonough. He started his career as a playwright, a very acclaimed Irish playwright. Uh, He wrote a a trilogy of plays that were very very popular in Ireland and while he was working as a playwright he decided on a lark to write and direct a short film called Revolver (laughs) and lo and behold Revolver won the Oscar for best short uh, film the year it was nominated yeah so that's a rarity not just to like 
on a whim, you're going to make a short film, but that short film wins the Oscar. That's insane. And immediately he got enough uh, clout and backing to work on a little project he had called uh, In Bruges, as we said. What I love so much about In Bruges is that it's this, it's it's a crime thriller that basically plays out as a comedy, but never loses its crime thriller edge. Um, it's Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson. Ray uh, Fiennes. Uh, Ray Fiennes. Who's uh, it was, amazing in it, by the way. Ray, th- this was the movie that introduced Ray Fiennes. Was this before or after uh, Goblet of Fire? This was, uh, I feel like it was close, but ba- ba- basically this really kind of close. this this along with Goblet of Fire brought Ray Fiennes back to like mainstream filmmaking. He had been doing yeah. like little stuff in in England at the time. Uh, yeah. Did a lot of like Fathom Events plays type stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I think the only the one of the few noteworthy things he did was uh, his uh, villainous turn in Red Dragon and Spider, which I think came out around the same year, 20, yeah. 2002. And Spider was not a commercial success. Ex- ex- well, it wasn't a commercial movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like in Bruges and, and uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire was kind of what brought Ray finds back to like, oh, prominence, like, prominence, yeah. But uh, the bigger story is that it brought Brendan Gleeson firmly into, if not the A list, the B list. Uh, he became very much a working Hollywood character actor, yeah. and it was a return to form to Colin Farrell, who at the time was basically a heartthrob. He was. He was considered a failed leading Alexander man. Alexander the Alexander the Great just came out. He was done. Oh yeah, yeah, he was done. He decided to do something smaller, something with uh, that meant a lot to him, and in Bruges, and it was a it was a critical success. I mean, he won. I, I know it doesn't mean much, but he actually won the Golden Globe for uh, uh, in Bruges, and, and in Bruges was nominated for best foreign film. Exactly, and it. It, it basically and best screenplay and best screenplay too. I yeah. think so. Everybody, all the big big creatives involved with In Bruges, basically, you know, got a, a lot of clout and were 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 getting noticed by uh, by by Hollywood and working pretty regularly in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, some years pass by, five years, and uh, Martin McDonough comes out with Seven Psychopaths. He returns to collaborate with Colin Farrell. And he begins a working relationship with uh, Sam Rockwell. And the, the, the thing was, was that Seven Psychopaths was basically. I, I, I loved it. Well, so. I want. So I think the idea behind Seven Psychopaths was that Martin McDonough wanted to make Ocean's Eleven but a Martin McDonough Ocean's Eleven, if that makes well, sense. Well, it was that with an element of kiss, kiss, bang, bang, kind yes, of. Yes, yes. This was this was a caper film that wasn't that there wasn't a specific caper involved. Well, there's a kidnapping, a kidnapping of a dog involved. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this was also the first time Martin McDonough works with Woody Harrelson. Uh, he does great work with a, a Christopher Walken. Um, very well regarded movie, but well. A lot of people came into Seven Psychopath expecting another in Bruges, where mm. it's very clever, the writing's on point, and it, it has something to say. It has like weighty themes behind it. And that's not really the case for Seven Psychopaths. I, it, I really feel like this was Mark McDonough going, let me add my own twist to a, a caper comedy. 
if you could call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, pe- some people didn't vi- didn't gel with its vibe. I I appreciated for what it was, but it wasn't it wasn't something where I was like, oh, I need to see this again. Um, although, as before within Bruges, I was really impressed with the cinematography. Sure. So uh, some more years pass, and and um, we get the very well known three billboards outside Edding, Missouri. Yes. This again. This is uh, Martin McDonough returning to work with uh, Sam Rockwell, with Woody Harrelson. He's working with Francis McDormand as the lead, uh, and this is Martin McDonough doing a film about I either America or Americans, and he has a lot to say. And so this is more what people were expecting from Martin McDonough. Like this is a dark comedy. Uh, there's violence, but there's weighty themes behind that involving the search for justice, the futility of violence, uh, and I have redemption. To admit, yeah, but I have to admit, for me, Three Billboards, um, I think it it lost itself in its dark comedy, and I think actually the heavier themes got a little muddied, in my opinion. No, like it I, ended I would up agree. just becoming it, the movie ended just ended up being mean at times. I, I agree. I think it ended up being mean. I think uh, while while obviously while Sam Rockwell won Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his role, I, I I felt that the character's turn from an unrepentant racist cop to uh, to a, to someone who's trying to bring justice to the world, I I didn't really believe it as much the problem was with three billboards outside edding missouri is you really had kind of two movies smushed together yeah 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 no you're totally right see i it was two movies it's one about uh an asshole trying to not be an asshole anymore because his uh his mentor passed on and then it was a woman trying to deal with the the lack of closure from what happened from the tragedy and injustice that befell her family. Um, that being said, as you see with all Martin McDonough movies, great performances all around. There's not a weak link. It's, it's also Peter Dinklage returned. Oh that. yeah. Yeah. Peter Dinklage is in this. Um, he was in, in Bruges people. No, no one actually, that. actually, no, <laughs> is that? No, no. I'm an asshole. See, I'm no, a that's person. That. No, no, um, no. Who was that? God damn it. Uh, the other very well-known little person uh, God actor. damn it. I'm a p- um, cancel me now. Cancel me now. He Use was, this he was, audio clip did, for did later you, on. Did you ever see the Fuck. music video for uh uh God, what was it? It was the song that goes you and me baby ain't nothing. Yes, but yes, I've seen. He's it. the he's the guy in the monkey suit. I didn't um, know that, but yeah. okay. I'm a horrible person. That's not Peter Dinklage in that movie. No, no, no. But he's uh, a, he's a very, very fuck. well-known actor. Um, oh gosh, what was but his okay, name? fine. Peter Dinklage. That is Peter Dinklage in three billboards out billboards out billboards billboards outside of Edding, Missouri. Yes, that is him. Okay, that that is him. Um, oh gosh, what's his? What's the other actor's name? He, he's like really well-known. He's like he's been in a ton, uh, and I mean a ton. Like like him him and uh, Peter Dinklage are actually really close friends, mm. but for the life of me, I could not remember the 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 character we're talking about is the actor who's playing the little the, like dressed up as a little boy. Um, gosh, mm. 
No worries, no worries. Let's we'll move on. Yeah, yeah. Remember, move yeah, in we'll, the middle of the episode, you'll scream it. No, no, yeah. In the middle of the episode, I'm gonna scream and I'm gonna be like, "What? That was him." Uh, but yeah, he he was one of the people wearing the monkey suit in uh in that music video that I think everybody and their mother saw because yeah. it was like, but always going like, "Oh, these are horrible lyrics." Who could play such a thing? You and me, baby, we ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do in the Discovery Channel. Break it down now. Oh. Jordan Pretense. Oh. That's that's who he, that's the actor I was thinking of. Um, okay. He uh he was his he's most famous for being in Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, and he was the one who played Harold the Duck or Howard the Duck. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. And obviously that music video about the the Yes. Yeah. So, but back to Martin McDonough. Um, yes. So, you know, uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri uh, is his most known Oscar friendly movie. Gets a lot of gets a lot of recognition. Obviously, won won some Oscars. Yes, won a it couple did. Oscars. Yeah. And uh, you know, Francis McDormand really took it home on that one. Yeah. And now we get his uh, fourth film. Yeah, this is his fourth film. Yep. The Banshees of Inisherin. So, mm-hmm. uh, see, I call it the Banshees of Metaphor, <laughs> but we'll no, get to that. We'll get, we'll to, get that. to that. We'll and to... by the way, I'll say it now. The only way we can talk about this movie fully a little bit is spoiler alert. Yeah, there. there's a I lot of spoiler it. alerts, people. But if if, yeah. uh, if you know any history of the Irish Civil War, uh, then uh, you pretty much are going to know how this movie goes. But anyway, yeah. Um, see, before we start our review, uh. Your thought, your overall thoughts on Martin McDonough, Colin Farrell, uh, take your pick. Okay, so huh, Colin Farrell's an interesting one for me because he he's had such a weird career. Truly, like who would have thought the guy from Phone Booth would like become a huge actor and just grow and grow and grow? Whoa, 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 whoa. hold up, hold up. He was a huge actor when Phone Booth came out. I know, but not like I thought that he was big, but then he got bigger is is more what I'm saying. I, I think like again, not to argue, but I think Phone Booth was when he was at his biggest. Oh. Uh, and and then and then you know his flops started coming, which I think Phone I think Phone Booth was a flop. It was Well, you know why Phone Booth was big as well is because it was supposed to come out it's this whole they were it was supposed to come out when like a big shooting happened and they delayed it. That was like a whole thing. Um, Not just that, like the idea for phone booth literally was pitched when, uh, when Alfred Hitchcock was still making movies. This is true. Yeah. And, this is and true. There, nothing ever came of it until, <laughs> until uh, Joel Schumacher was like, I want to make this. Yeah. And it's an interesting idea, but anyways, yeah. anyways, yeah. um, but he's always had an interesting career for me. Um, yes, I, I did see Alexander the Great. And it's certainly, listen, it, Oliver Stone directed that, right? I'm not crazy. Uh, yes, Oliver Stone directed uh, Alexander the Great. Yeah, that was the beginning of the end for Oliver Stone. I think we can agree on that. Because that was before W, right? It was like right yeah, before. Yeah, W came out in 2007, 2008. Yeah. So, like, you get... You have Alexander the Great, and it basically that that confirmed for both us and Oliver Stone himself that he can't make every kind of movie. He tried to have a Last of the Mohicans moment, uh, where you know a director who makes you know one kind of movie makes a very different kind of movie, 
and it, it didn't work. He 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 was not able to do it. Um, but I gotta say though, he he is a very like he. I'm amazed by his his overall resiliency over time, and genuinely, yes, people remember the bad movies he's picked, but he's picked a ton of good movies, like really good movies, not just in Bruges, but he did um the oh the one that was directed by the guy who did Master and Commander about the refugees. Yeah, to, yeah, Peter uh, Ware. Um... It's the a way great back? movie. Yes, The Way Back. I was like, is it The Way Back or The Way Way Back? I couldn't remember. But that's a great movie. Yeah, like, also really has awesome uh, Aaron Paul's in it and Saoirse Ronan as well. Yes, and it's it's fantastic. But yeah. um, the he's he was in, of course, um, you know, in Bruges, which really did it. And then more recently, you know, he was in The Batman, where he played the Penguin. V- in what I what is arguably the best performance in that movie, I think, mm-hmm. um, because he fully delves into something that's not him. Well, and know, yes, prosthetics you know, helped, but you know, see, not just the Batman. He he's also been in a couple of Yor, Yorgos Latimos movies. Yes, uh, well, yes, he has. You're right. Yeah, and Killing of a Sacred Deer, but he, also um, the Lobster. The Lobster. Oh my God, I love that movie. Yeah, and he's he he's. <laughs> That movie showed us that oh he's funny. Yeah, yeah, I would no. eat. yeah. And I would say being in in Bruges is what led to him being in this these more like dramatic art house roles where mm-hmm. I like I think you would agree Colin Farrell excels in. Oh yeah, he does it. What's funny is okay. On the flip side, it, it's always funny. I think he does enough small stuff that does that does really well. So then he's put in bigger films, but then they're not as good. Like he did the Total Recall make, which. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was. Yikes. That was his last like blockbuster leading role. Yeah. All I remember, the the worst moment of that, and it, it actually wasn't delivered. This line wasn't delivered by Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin Farrell. But um, there's this great moment where you've seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I saw it opening day, actually. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so sorry. Hey, man. I People who know me know me that I love Arnold Schwarzenegger and Paul Verhoeven, and it was more of a morbid curiosity than actual <laughs> excitement. Fair enough. Um, so there's this moment where he, you know, in the, in the remake, he gets woken up, and, you know, he's going around, and his wife is not actually his wife. And there's just this line that made me actually laugh where he goes, I thought you loved me. And she goes, what can I say? I give good wife. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. What kind of line is that? That's such a horrible fucking line. The, the funny thing, it was, it was, that was a, that was a Kate Beckinsale line, right? Uh, yeah. She, she's, she, at the time she was married to the director. Um, the guy Ooh. who did the Underworld movies, who's and whose name I keep that makes right. sense. I didn't know that was the same director, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, like he also did another. He also did another dramatic role that everyone was telling me was like everyone. Everyone who's seen it said, "Oh, that's Colin Farrell's best role." Um, where like he's a dad and and his family like adopts a robot or something, or 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 or, a, or they hmm. have like a family robot and it breaks down. Uh, I forgot what it was called. I don't know but about pe- this. People have been telling me that that's like Colin Farrell's. Well, up until Banshees of Inisherin, that that was Colin Farrell's best role. Interesting. Uh, after Yang is what what it's called. After Yang. Okay, um, I don't know about this one. Yeah. Uh, oh, one other 
Hollywood film he was in recently that he was considered one of the best parts. Uh, he's the uh, he's the alderman candidate in Widows. Oh, you're right, and he does there, a good job. There well, is. No, you think he was the best? People think he's the best part of that movie. No, one of the best parts. Oh, okay. Now I, I think he's involved in what I consider the best shot of the movie. Oh, but I know which. Yeah. The okay. the the tracking shot where he's going away back home shows you just the vast class differences that exist in Chicago neighborhoods where you're like, wait, this is the same city. Yeah. It's the same city. It's the same block. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. It's that shot. And you know, what's funny is when people said they CGI that. And I remember you were like, no, they didn't. No, it's like, it's real. Like it. Yeah. It's real. But, um, but yeah, no, Colin Farrell. I, I, I'm really happy for him because I could, this is to maybe me just projecting onto him, but in the, you know, when he was a leading man in the early 2000s, I never felt that he was comfortable. I, I don't know if that's just me projecting, but I never felt that he was comfortable in those roles. Uh, and now I think it's more, he just played the same person in those roles. Exactly. You know, they're like, like he's the person he is in SWAT is the same person he is in total recall. Yes, yes. I totally, totally agree, see. I totally agree. But how about we start giving our thoughts on the Banshees of Inishirin? But first, how's about we watch the trailer and then we um, we, we start talking about this movie that may be in the running for some yeah, uh, Oscar yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, so, should we play the trailer? Uh, I'm on it. Holland's Sonny Larry. Didn't you? He used to be the best of friends. We're still the best of friends. No, you're not. Who says we're not? Sit somewhere else. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. When you didn't do anything to me. I just don't like you no more. You liked me yesterday. Why does he not want to be friends with you no more? Why is he 12? What the hell's going on with you, me feckin' brother? He's dull, Siobhan. But he's always been dull. The other night, two hours, you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite. It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. If you don't stop talking to me... Colin! And if you don't stop bothering me, I have a set of shears at home. And each time you bother me from this day on, I'll take those shears and I'll take one of my fingers off with them and I'll give that finger to you until I have no fingers left. Does this make things clearer to you? Not really, no. Starting from now. But shush like, Polly. You know, shush like. Yeah, I'd shush like. Would you not want him to have to do the one finger to see if he was bluffing like? No, we wouldn't. Because worse goes to worse, so you can still play the fiddle with four fingers, I bet you. Going back to your own gang now, Parry. I'm talking to me! Are you? Why aren't you talking to Parry no more? That wouldn't be a sin now, would it, Father? No, but it's not very nice either, is it? Do you know who we remember for how nice they was in the 17th century? Who? Absolutely no one. Yeah, we all remember the music at the time. Everyone to a man knows Mozart's name. I don't, so there goes that theory. Can't be waiting around for any more of this madness. Let's just call it quits. We won't call it quits. We'll 
call it the start. Okay. Right. Well, I, you yeah. know, <laughs> so, um, this film is at its, at, at face value. This film is about two friends, one played by Colin Farrell, uh, named Patrick and the other one played by, uh, Brendan Gleeson, uh, Gleeson, uh, named, uh, Colm. Mm. And uh, one day, Colm goes, literally one day to the next, Colm goes from being Patrick's best friend to like, I, I never want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. And the film deals with the vault fallout of just that sudden and out of character decision mm-hmm. from uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson's character. Uh, at its face value. See, I'm sure you would agree. That as you were watching this film, as I was watching this film, well, or or maybe you're just smarter than me. <laughs> as as we we were watching this film, mm-hmm. we we saw it separately, but we did. The first thing that went through my mind as I'm watching this film, I'm like, well, I'm enjoying myself, but what's the point? So <laughs> here, okay, and, well, here's the thing with that. I sat down. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, pretty much to the same extent, and I'm like, where are they going to take this? And it's like, they keep just going in this direction, and I'm like, this is the whole movie, isn't it? All right, I got to... And then I realized, like, I have to strap in, because it's it's not a long movie, but, you know, this is, this is what it's about, all right? And then... Um, well, I'll get into a little bit more about it, but yes, I will say that you have, to, in order to understand the point of the movie, you legitimately have to watch it until the very end. Well, here here's the thing. The movie tells you what its deal is in the beginning. Like literally maybe the first five minutes it tells you. Yeah. But because I don't know, you're either more focused on what on the on what uh, Colin Farrell's character is doing, what what the cast is doing, what what the film is about, what what the plot's about mm-hmm. that you kind of don't acknowledge. You, well, at least when I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, that thing. OK, cool. I thought it was just set dressing. And then it's only at the end where I'm like, oh, my God. So this film and again, it doesn't spoil the narrative of the film, but it, 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 when we talk about it, you're going to have a good idea of, of how this film is going to play out. Yeah. Is that the film is very, very, very clearly an allegory for the Irish Civil War between the Republicans and the, the Republicans and the, oh gosh, I forgot what was the name of the others. Uh, so, so basically, after the Irish War of Independence, where Ireland became independent from Great Britain, mm-hmm. uh, you had two factions. One that wanted total independence from Britain in the sense of, hey, we want, we want Northern Ireland to be Ireland, and we want to kind of run our party in a very left-wing, or our country in a very left-wing direction. And then you had, 
I forgot what the other side was called, but they were kind of the more like, okay, Northern Ireland's going to be its own thing. We, we kind of want to govern more conservatively, more right of center. And again, this is all in the aftermath of the Irish War of Independence, mm-hmm. where where they are, they the two sides look at each other and go like, okay, now we're going to fight each other. And that was a particularly uh, that was a particularly bloody conflict. For, well, you for even Ireland. told me there's a great movie about that, isn't there? Oh yes, there's a great movie starring um, st- starring. Oh oh gosh, I am not blinking on his name. Um, Twenty eight days later. Uh, 28 days late. He's the scarecrow in Batman Begins. Um, oh, Killian Murphy. Um, Gil- there's a yeah. there's a great mur- movie starring Killian Murphy called The Wind That Shakes the Barley that pretty much covers the entirety of the Irish War of Independence and uh, the Irish Civil War. So, yep. and the the setting of this film is like throughout the duration or in the final it seems to be the final weeks of the Irish Civil War. Right. So Martin McDonough wants to talk about the Irish Civil War, but obviously I think he works. Listen, I think Martin McDonough, if he wanted to, could direct a great war movie. But I oh, think, yeah. I but think that's just not what he does. He that's has not what to, he does. Yeah. He has to have, he's, he, I think you made a good point earlier. He is very much about of what is my, I don't want to use the word brand, but what is my flavor of this subject matter or this what, genre? Yeah. And in this case, he's, he takes, he takes kind of the factions of, of the Irish civil war and boils them down to the character of, uh, Patrick played by Colin Farrell and uh, Cole played by Brendan Gleeson with uh, kind of the the victims of both sides played by Sioban, uh, uh, who plays the sister of Colin Farrell mm-hmm. uh, uh, played by Carrie, Carrie Condon and Barry Keoghan who killing of a sacred deer um, uh, Dunkirk the Eternals he was the yeah. Joker in the Batman the most recent Batman movie he plays the village idiot called Dominic. Mm-hmm. So those two are kind of like the victims of represent the victims of the Irish civil war conflict. Mm-hmm. So, so this is basically an extended allegory and this is basically an extended allegory of that, uh, where the film, or at least for me, I never really got the sense of who who represented the Republican side? Who represented the conservative side? I never got and that the was sense inten- of that. I think that was intentional. Yeah, I, I think that was intentional. I think, he, I think uh, Mar McDonough doesn't look at it through a political lens, although obviously politics were involved. That's the reason that war happened. He's looking at it more like, like a kind of a of a humanist lens. Like, like oh, these two sides, like like these two sides had their faults. But each one not backing down, both kind of share blame, although this film also works as a Rorschach test over kind of like your views on people when when you're like, OK, who who kind of had more to blame and who was kind of more of the victim? Who was the who? Yeah. Who who was the asshole and who, who was <laughs> yeah. who was the problem? Yeah. Um, and it, it is interesting. Now, I would say and I, I think you agree with me, but if I'm wrong, let me know. That uh, that Colin's character was in the, he was the victim in, in this, in my perspective. 
Um, I, I agree with you. I think, yeah. I, I think, listen, so, so the ultimate, the, so calm dog. I, I'm so sorry. I just I use the actors I, names. Yeah. Cause I can't, Don't, I can't say, let's not do Irish this. Names. Well, um, we look everyone to any Irish listeners out there, which we know there are none at the moment. Um, we're sorry, but we're we have to use the actors' names. Yeah. Very sorry. So Brendan Gleeson basically out of the blue tells Colin Farrell, Hey, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And Colin Farrell so and, goes, this, I don't like you. I just don't like you. I just don't like you. Uh here's something the movie does that's subtle, but it really like kinda adds to the viewing experience. But before we're even introduced to the conflict, we just get an extended montage of Colin Farrell's character being happy-go-lucky he kind of mm-hmm. has a big dumb smile on his face you know mm-hmm. hanging out with his pet donkey saying yeah. hi to people you know it's him walking to go say hi to his friend mm-hmm. uh, so we get it montage it doesn't last long it's maybe like a minute long but immediately like subconsciously i was like oh this guy he's he's, he's a nice guy he's, he's a fun guy right mm-hmm. right and when uh when brendan gleason basically tells him i don't want to be your friend anymore i don't want you talking to me anymore we're we're in that confusion over like well why he there doesn't seem to be anything overtly negative about him yeah literally the first thing i thought when that happened it's like this is what children do yes totally it's like you're like be your friends like i just i don't like you it's like what so then you know then we're introduced to more characters we're introduced to uh uh the the bartender uh, we're introduced to the vil- the 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 village policeman. Oh, by the way, this entire village. Just to add to the metaphor, this entire village is an island right off the bigger Ire- island of Ireland. So an, an island. It's in Ashiran, right? Isn't that yeah. the actual island? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so it's a so, microcosm of the country. You no, know, exactly, and that, I think that was very intentional. So we're introduced to uh, Colin Farrell's sister, played by Carrie Condon. God, I wonder if there's a sc- there's a screening going on in on Sheeran right now. Maybe. We're in- again, like I said earlier, we're introduced to the village idiot, played by Barry Keoghan. Um, we're introduced to these cast of characters where he kind of like complains over, "Hey, my friend doesn't want to talk to me anymore, and I don't know why." Yeah. Well, finally, like the next day, we're we're told why. So Brendan Gleeson's character is a musician. He plays the, the violin and he is it's he never outright states it, but it's very, very obvious that he is going through a midlife crisis, a late quarter life crisis. He's going through some sort of crisis where he realizes he hasn't done anything noteworthy mm-hmm. and he decides for no no, valid. he decides to blame it on his friend. He decides to blame it on his friend that I did nothing good with my life because I spent all my waking hours listening to this dull guy talk about his dull life. So I need to cut him out of my life so that I can focus on music and uh, and compose a song that he calls the Banshees of Inishirin, title of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, when he explains this to Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell's like, wait, you think I'm dull, boring? A waste of space and it immediately hits his uh his uh self-esteem right yeah and it doesn't help when nobody would give him will give him total validation that he isn't dull no yeah, yeah. that was the thing it was like they would uh, he realized they all referenced the village idiot um 
Yeah. When when they said he wasn't Dawes, was like, well, what about his like? But everyone keeps like, what about after him? It's like, you know, you're you're simple. you're nice. You're, you're nice. nice. Oh, that's what it was. You're nice. And and yeah. that that immediately like destroys his confidence, and it 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 creates this really harsh tension between him and Brendan Gleeson, and you know, then the movie's kind of about that. Brent, and then. Not just that, but then uh, Brendan Gleeson tells Colin Farrell, if you talk to me again, I'm going to mutilate myself and throw a finger at you. Now, okay, was there any sort of... I, I Was that just meant for to be an analogy of bloodshed during the war? Yes. Or was, was that yes. the idea? So, so, so the way you have to remember is that in a civil war... You're, you're hurting not, yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're literally killing your own countrymen. Yeah. Like, every time you win a battle, that is another reconstruction project you are going to have to take on when yeah. you control the country. Yeah. Right? That, that, that's just how a civil war is. It is a person that you are going to try for war crimes or that you have to look in the eye later on years yes, later. Yes, exactly. Like, like when, when you go like, okay, we've taken over, we've taken over this city. We, we burned it to the ground. Who's going to pay to fix it uh, once the war's over? You are, because now you're in charge of that city. Yeah. Um, it, it's inherently self-destructive. And, and it's, a good, it's a good metaphor. It's a great metaphor because mm-hmm. uh, Brendan Gleeson is playing this musician. He obviously needs his fingers to play the violin, which he says is his... That's what it, he loves to do. It's, it's what he loves to do, right? Yeah. And, and instead of him acknowledging, I'm doing this out of petty spite, I, I'm spiting myself... He uses this crazy troll logic of like, well, you know, you keep talking to me, so I'm going to do it. You make me do it, even though there is never it's a moment. Look, it's, it's the whole, look what you made me do. It's like, exactly. well, no, exactly. you did it's, that. It is, it's, it's, first of all, it's, it's emotional abuse. It's emotional blackmail. Yeah. It's really messed up. And what, what I loved about this movie, what I, what I really appreciate about this movie was that like, what I really liked was the fact that, you know, there's never a, there's never a scene that goes way too over the top to hit you with the message of this movie, to hit you with the ideas this movie's trying to convey. Mm -hmm. Uh, It focuses more on like, well, how do I make this a really dark comedy? Because listen, I, I totally believe that uh, Martin McDonough is a big, big Coen brothers fanboy. Oh and yeah. I don't know if you'll agree with me on this. This to me felt like the most Coen Brothers movie I've seen that's not directed by the Coen Brothers. Well, I would actually disagree with you on that. I would say bet- even among this director's filmography, I think Seven Billboards is more Coen Brothers-esque in general. Okay, okay. From, because it's well A it takes place in America, which helps in the Coen Brothers analogy, but B that is, I feel that movie was more of a love letter to the Coen brothers because it's literally this horror. It's meant to be this horrible thing that happened, but the, the police and the, uh, town are fucking up, even though they're trying to do the right thing. And it's, it's just taking the ugly and making it funny. And it's literally a police procedural, like, you know, arguably the Coen brothers' most famous movie, Fargo, or one of their most famous movies. So I would argue that Three Billboards is the most like the Coen brothers. I would say that ben- Banshees of Inishirin. It's almost like him coming home a little bit. Like that's oh, what yeah. he's trying oh, to yeah. do. Oh yeah, that I will agree with. 
So I think that's more what this is. And now I will say, I remember, and this is what was so funny. So, guys, did you know that this director has a brother who has also made movies? I didn't. <laughs> because I remember, I think I said this to you. I was like, that reminded me a lot of Calvary. And you're like, and they're brothers. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. You're like, so, so Martin McDonough's brother, his name is John Michael McDonough. So I, listen, and I get it. I didn't a lot, know this. McDonough is a very popular surname it's, in Ireland. It's the like, Smith of Ireland. Exactly. But it's like, no, they're actual brothers. In fact, I, I believe John Michael McDonough had some sort of writing or producing credit on the short film Revolver. Yeah. So um, wait, uh, for the sake of it. Banshees or Calvary? Which did you like more? Oh, uh, <sighs> I'll admit I could understand Banshees more. Oh, the accents. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. so that that is something that to mention. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not. Listen, I'm not gonna hold this against the movie. No, not at no. all. But to our listeners who are interested in watching this, unless you have the patience to kind of have a section of your mind turned on to try to translate what they're saying in real time. They speak English, yeah. but in the heaviest old time Irish accent I've ever heard. Yeah. Th- this it, is... There's literally showtimes for this movie with subtitles. Is there? Yes. So when I went to see this, I had to go to, where'd I go for this? Um, oh no, I went to AMC, but I went there and there was a showtime that I was missing because I wasn't, I went after work basically, but I wasn't going to catch the first one. And I looked closely and it's like with subtitles and I was like, and I looked through it. Yeah, there were, there are, and there were and are some showtimes of this movie with subtitles. Well, there you go. To our listeners, if you do not have the patience to try to, to try to figure out what they're saying in real time, watch this subtitled. Yeah. I, and I'm not going to hold it against the movie. No, it's not. Obviously. That's not a problem. It adds, with the movie. It adds to its authenticity. It is, really, it is a foreign film. By yeah, that definition. Yeah, but it is one of those things where it's like there were times where I, where I kept thinking to myself, like, I, I, I think I got the gist of what they were saying. Yeah, it really would have helped. To date, though, the hardest scene with the thickest accent is, yeah, have you seen? You've seen Hunger, right? Yes, I've seen Hunger. So the scene in the with the priest and the and the and the and the the IRA member, I that was that scene is so hard to understand. But anyways, anyways, but yes, I agree with what Alice saying that if you see this movie, which I do recommend, um, I don't fault anyone for having subtitles on. It just because it's there. There was definitely a moment in the bar where I'm like, I know what happens, but I don't know what they said. Um, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. So. Uh, again, this movie is a great metaphor for the Irish Civil War, but let's talk about what is Martin McDonough's greatest strength as a filmmaker in directing actors to incredible performances. There is not a weak link in this cast. No. There isn't. Even even the bit roles are played to perfection. There are, there are like two, two, three very small supporting roles. Mm-hmm. One's a music student. The other one is the owner of a... Of a um, of a dry goods store slash post office. Mm-hmm. One's then, a witch. And there's, well, not she's really. not, not really know, a witch. Know, she's but... just the old creepy lady of the town. Yeah. Which, one of my favorite lines in the movie is when he's talking with his sister and she's there. And he's like, you hide behind the walls when she walks by. And she's right there. Yeah, so these are tiny bit roles. And 
for instance, the music student, like, uh, like Colin Farrell. Oh, getting, that scene was so funny. There, so basically, Colin Farrell gets very jealous that this music student is very is getting very close to his old friend, and he basically, in a fit of jealousy, tricks him into tricks him into leaving the island by telling him, "Hey, your dad got hit by a bread truck." <laughs> and the and the <laughs> and the music student goes, "Oh no, that's how my mother died." <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing, I like that that played into it because it's it played into the fact that it was such a shitty lie. It's like <laughs> it's like the only way it could have worked was, "Oh my god." There's there's also a little tiny role uh uh, about a priest, the local priest. Basically, mm. Colin Farrell tells the priest, or tells the priest, "Hey, Brendan Gleeson doesn't want to talk to me anymore. Can you talk some sense into him?" So when Brendan mm. Gleeson goes in for confession, the priest basically goes, "Why aren't you talking to him?" And you know, Brendan Gleeson gets very defensive and basically insults the priest. So the priest basically tells him, "None of your sins are forgiven." <laughs> and and Brendan Brendan Gleeson goes like, "Well, what's going to happen to me if I die before my next confession?" And he goes like, "Well, I don't know, but it's not my problem." It was really funny. Like yeah. like the or priest like, went well, into petty school. I'm fucked in a fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, "That's really funny." That that's really really funny. Um, and again, like you stated, this um, I, ooh. Shelia Flinton plays plays the old lady character, Mrs. McCormick, the only oh name my. I can pronounce. Yeah. And uh, so throughout the entire film, you it leans into the idea that maybe Mrs. McCormick is a banshee. So there is a there is a moment in the film where Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell talk about banshees, and Colin Farrell says, There are no banshees in Inishirin. Um, but then it, the the film immediately cuts to cuts to Mrs. McCormick, and you're like, oh, Mrs. McCormick, if she's not a if she's not an actual banshee, she's acting as a banshee, mm-hmm. and and her her whole the the whole purpose of her character is to kind of bring up these these tense moments to to kind of bring our characters down or put or put mean ideas into their head. Mm-hmm. But let's go to the actual supporting cast. So. Carrie Condon, who most of our viewers would know as the voice of Friday from the MCU, uh, uh, the AI that took over running uh, Tony Stark's equipment after uh, Jarvis became Ultron, or not Ultron, after Jarvis became yeah. Vision, yeah. and Barry, Barry Keoghan, who plays Dominic. So Dominic is a very interesting character, and let me let me ask, let me tell you why. He is the village idiot. He he is he has some sort of mental handicap a physical handicap as well because he's always twitching it looks like he might have a really severe uh of case of tourette's and he lives with his father who's the local policeman and he suffers abuse from his father his father beats him up pretty regularly well they make the police officer the biggest piece of shit on the island exactly exactly um and i found it interesting that colin farrell's character was the only one to call him out on that. That was an interesting, like it was everyone else. It was, it's not my business, but he was the only one, the one that was seen as the, the nice doll person. He actually called the, called that man out on what he was doing to his son. Exactly. Which I think um, is an important note. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about Barry Kurgan's character, Dominic, is that while he's very vulgar and he's, a, he drinks probably to his detriment, you know, 
he never does anything outright malicious, but you know, because you know, he can be vulgar because he comes off as a nuisance to a lot of the village people. He's pretty much a pariah in the town. And the only people who are nice to him are Colin Farrell and Carrie Condon. Um, and it, it becomes apparent. It becomes apparent that he's, he's by far, he's, what's the word I'm trying to say? He is, he's like a victim of circumstance. No one has any mercy on him. So in his own way, he really appreciates the mercy. He basically is the reason why when, when Brendan Gleeson tells Colin Farrell that being nice doesn't help or doesn't do anything good for the world. Dominic is kind of there to show like, no, actually because Colin Farrell is nice to him, you know, he appreciates that niceness, that mercy that he receives from Colin Farrell. Uh, and when Colin Farrell admits that he's done some bad things, Dominic basically tells him, well, I thought you were the nicest guy here. I respected you for it. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that you're not it has kind of destroyed my whole worldview. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the one-two punch of – it's pretty obvious he has a giant crush on Colin Farrell's sister. And she rebuffs him because she's significantly older than him. And, you know, and she's – can I say a spoiler about sure. this? She's moving away. Yeah, she's that's, she's moving away. She and I think that's an important element because she represents. So each each change on the island represents something bigger, which I that's that was my favorite part of the movie. The sister moving away. Yes, she moved to the mainland, but it's about the people who basically that were maybe didn't die but were lost because they realized that whatever they knew their home to be it wasn't anymore and they exactly. had to get out and they had to leave they had to be they had to go yes um, she the, repre she represents yeah. the people who immigrated out of ireland because either because of the civil war because mm -hmm. of of the economic situation of that country there there was just no place for them there anymore they had to yeah. they had to go either to for the allegory's sake probably great britain um, america yeah. stuff like that they had but to they, cross they, the ocean they had to cross the ocean and they had to leave their home and so she represents that. The removing of the fingers represents the sheer bloodshed um, and the also the result of said civil war, the, the damage. And the death of uh, the... I know it's not okay to say village idiot, but I, I don't know another word for what they ref, what the movie seemed to refer him as. But he... he and this is a spoiler, as I just said. He, he dies. He... he, he he, he, he kills himself. and We don't know whether intentionally or accidentally, though. We don't know, but it's basically... it's That is the the death of innocence, basically. And also, it, 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 it goes back into the, into the real loss during the Civil War that they experienced, but yeah. it is the loss of innocence because he was truly the innocent. Exactly. Like he, and exactly. he dies... I think he killed himself because, you know, when you're in his mind, when his crush rebuffs him and when the only friend he had on the island turns out to not be what he thought he was, he, I think, I think he made a choice and then that happened. Um, plus, you know, he didn't have a home really to go back to. Not a, not a, not a proper one. 
Exactly. Um, one other element, a member of the cast that I feel we need to talk about. They were pretty much the heart and soul of this movie. Jenny the donkey. Mm. Um, I cannot seem to find the actual donkey's name. I'm sure I'm sure it has a name. But the, the character of Jenny the donkey is the, the precious pet of Colin Farrell's character. Mm-hmm. And she basically represents... Uh, the the simple thing he cherishes above all. So so Brendan Gleeson, cher- he, he has a dog, but it's very obvious Brendan Gleeson loves music more than the dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin Farrell, on the other hand... Loves this donkey. Loves this donkey. Like, like this donkey is his entire world. Yeah. And I, I found it so clever that the way Martin McDonough um, uses it... Because, you know, it's a small little miniature donkey... You know, little silly donkey with a bell. Um, when, because you know, compare 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 a silly looking donkey with kind of the 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 mythology we give to music, right? We're like, oh, music is something to strive towards. Music music is kind of the greatest expression of humanity, right? So so there's like a bigger like we put music on an altar altar. Uh, I don't know if you would agree with me, see on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what was I going to say? But this little donkey it means so much to Colin Farrell's character that you know when something happens to the donkey, that's when we get the turn from this happy-go-lucky guy who was totally happy living a simple life in Inishirin to somebody who's like, I'm getting my revenge and mm-hmm. I'm going to get my revenge in a spectacular way. And and I got to say that that's what really ties this whole thing together in a nice bow because up until then. It's such a one-way thing, right? It's such a one-way thing, which it was with the Civil War. You know, one side was like, guys, let's just settle down. But with the destruction finally went too far, they decided, okay, we're going to take this to the extreme and we're going to wipe you out. Yeah. And it's a really, really good way to to show that, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the film shows you how much he loves this donkey. And, and when Colin Farrell sees what happens to Jenny the donkey, his beloved donkey... He sells his grief. Like, like I started tearing up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know nothing actually happened to the donkey in real life. But, but I mean, like, when you, if you want... Okay, look. Anytime an animal that is very important in a movie dies, guess what happens? We are human and we cry. It happens. Yeah. I, I, I just have to say that, like, it was it was one of those things where I kept thinking to myself like, well, where's this donkey thing leading to? How's this gonna How's this gonna tie into the rest of the film? Because it was just something about him that was there. You thought it was like, okay, it's just a way to kind of inform the character, but it, it ties itself into the main narrative in such a good way that when because it's what causes Colin Farrell to tell Brendan Gleeson, okay, this means war. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck your shit up, dude. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, and then the film ends with uh, neither side really winning or losing, but yeah. basically the explanation, the the expectation that, oh, we're gonna give we're gonna give each other our licks until one of us either dies, or or we're both we're both in the ground. So I thought, I thought that was a very clever way to kind of show the. The the stupidity of 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 the, of the fight, between yeah. them because. Ultimately, it's okay. Ultimately, 
Brendan Gleeson loses his fingers because he's an idiot. Because he believes that, like, oh, that's going to get Colin Farrell to stop talking to me. And that's another amazing thing when you think about it. It's like, you know, Colin Farrell's character is looked at as the idiot. But then the, but then the actual idiot is Brendan Gleeson, who chops his own fucking fingers off. Exactly. And, and that's what's and, amazing about that. And then that. Colin Farrell turns down the opportunity to live with his sister, not be alone, and maybe rebuild his life. And he basically turns that down because he's like, no, 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 no. Brendan Gleeson's got to die. He's yeah. got to die. And I'm, that's going to be my life's purpose from now on. But I find it fascinating that Colin Fer- Farrell's character, Firth's character, Jesus, I keep fucking that up. Different um, Colin. I know. One I'm aware. Um, the thing I liked is it was very intentional that he didn't kill the dog because he wanted to show Brendan Gleeson's character, I'm better than you. In this sense. And in a way he was. And I'm I'm not going to kill your beloved pet, your beloved companion. Not even pet, your companion. I'm not doing that. I'm going after you. I'm not going to cause the pain that you caused, that you gave to me. I'm not Mm. doing, it it was, it was, it was very, it was a very intentional way of him expressing moral superiority. Exactly. And one last thing before we get into, we get into our ratings. Yes. My God, this film's gorgeous. Yeah, no, it is. It's beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful movies I've seen all year. Like, I saw this and I'm like, you know, they could just take frames from this movie and put them in a in a in an ad for for Irish tourism. Well, I'm I've, sure I've they been will. to Ireland. I've oh, been yeah, to Ireland, no. and I was like, I was like, man, I just re- really want to go back and just be at those at those rocky beaches again. Well, didn't you tell me that like you? literally were trying to figure out a way you you were trying to come up with like one of your movies idea movie ideas that would work in ireland because of how beautiful it was yeah yeah it's, and it it's, is i've heard it's gorgeous I really it's have. so pretty so pretty like the the cinematography is top notch and, and the, that's that's something i really appreciate about martin mcdonough is that he's very much a writer director in the sense that like he really focuses on the dialogue on developing the character on the page but yeah. He does not skimp on on the visuals. He really doesn't. And one other thing I really liked about this movie that really, this movie had a really other okay, outside of the beautiful cinematography. This movie had surprisingly luscious charm to it. Yeah. Where yeah, and but a very specific kind. The one thing that kept hitting me over the head over and over again as I'm watching this movie is that this, and this is going to be hyper-specific, but it's truly what I kept thinking. This felt like some sort of old folk story that the town talks about that someone then decided to turn into a movie. Like, Dude, that's you know a what great I mean? observation. Yeah, where it's yeah, yeah. like this, it's this weird story where it's like he chopped off six of his fingers or five of his fingers and threw them at the door. And it's like, this is like a story they tell at the bar and no one really knows if it's true. I like, never it, thought about it in that way. Wow. And it really feels like that. Like I kept yeah. getting that just enough every time where I'm like, yeah, this is the story they tell you, you know, it's the, in America, we'd say urban legend, but all of our urban legends in America are usually horror based, but it's one of those. And I felt like this is someone where it's one of those old stories and they decided to make it into that. And that's what I thought this was going to be. I was convinced 
that this movie was going to end with a bunch of people sitting sitting at a bar talking about this weird story sort of that's genuinely what i thought it was going to happen yeah yeah and i actually wouldn't have liked that if that happened i was like it's like it's what i would have expected but like that's kind of like meandering a bit it's a little it's not that's not enough for me but we'll get into more about that later but i just had to say it really oozed this folk tale type thing that just was brought more to life by its really stunning cinematography mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh see what rating do you give this movie so i give this a this is a very This is a... Hold on. This is a very intriguing and rapturous movie. I can't give it a flush. And let me just explain why. Because there are moments in this movie and you said it where you're like where are they going with this like like what what's happening and whenever you have those moments you do get pulled out at least i did i got pulled out anytime i had that it's like what what is this like what are they saying i have a feeling this is actually one of those movies that's significantly better upon a second viewing now that we understand what it's about but i think because we and look, this is not the fault of the director. He chose to, you know, fully summarize what this was about at the end, and I get that. But because of that, you are sitting there kind of, I'd say there were four or five times where I was like, what, 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 what's going to happen? And not in the way of like, oh, I'm excited what's going to happen. But it was like, yeah, like what, what's the point? A little bit. So because of that, I can't give it a flush because then, you know, you know the moments, Al, where you're in the movie theater and you suddenly look at, like, the wall dressing for a moment and you realize you're not fully looking at the movie again? Yeah. So that happened, because that happened to me more than once, therefore something was missing or something, the nature of this movie didn't fully grab me by the throat and just take me for a joyride. Not that every movie has to do that. Um but because of that, I was, because of those moments, and maybe I have to think about this longer, but because of that, I have to give it a movie, but it is more than just a movie. It's a very enticing movie. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I'll say is, no, you do not have to see this in theaters, folks. It's actually, I think Al and I can both speak to this. It was surprisingly hard to see, find a theater showing this at a convenient time. Would you agree? Yeah, by the time this review comes out, it's probably not going to be in theater. So th- again, th- that's kind of going to be a, a running theme with these like Oscar season movies. Yeah. is that they're not they're not on wide release for long. Yeah, and you know, and they'll only be on wide release if they become nominated, and they'll be re released or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So so keep in mind, like if if if, if what we talked about really really entices you and you want to see this. Uh, by the time this this gets posted on our on our podcast, you'll probably have to wait until it's on streaming or on yeah. Redbox. Yeah, and don't pirate it. Don't you dare pirate it. Yeah, yeah. That that I will say. Do not pirate. There are some listeners out there who will immediately go like, "Oh, I should pirate." Don't pirate it. Don't listen. You know, you know who you are. Don't pirate it. You know who you are. That one listener, you know, the pirate lord. But but, I, but like what I'm saying though, 
is and that is another thing any of these oscar bait movies because a lot of them are independent no matter how much you hate an independent movie never pirate it you are actually god i sound like i'm lecturing people but you know what i mean anyways i'll stop my point being i'm like i'm about to go on a tirade and i shouldn't but my point is, because of these moments, and because it's so hard, like many of the movies we're going to see for the next few months, or next couple months, are so hard to see in theaters, do not, like, it is not necessary to exert all possible forces to try to find the one theater, you know, an hour away that's playing it at the weirdest fucking time. You don't need to do that. I genuinely think, though, this movie is the perfect movie to watch, you know, with some friends on a nice cold day in a nice warm house. Actually, hell, if this is still, if this is released to any form of streaming service around Thanksgiving, get some family members, um, get your dad and watch it with them. I think you two, two, oh, yeah. two, a father and son would really enjoy this together yeah, yeah. As while Thanksgiving's being made. I weirdly think that's the perfect time for this movie. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, but that's my review. That's yeah. my critique. And I, I, before I give my rating, I do want to say a big critique I have of the film, really the, the biggest one I had is that a bulk of the film is literally Colin Farrell walking up to Brendan Gleeson and saying, why won't you talk to me? And Brendan Gleeson saying some variation of stop talking to me. This makes up a significant chunk of the movie. Now, because the dialogue after that interaction is clever, well-written, the performances are very honest and grounded. Like you, you don't get bored, but you still notice the, the pattern. You're like, Oh, uh, Colin Farrell's going to walk into the bar. Oh, he's going to ask uh, Brendan Gleeson why he didn't talk to him. Oh, he's going to go to Brendan Gleeson's house. He's going to ask Brendan Gleeson why he won't talk to him. Brendan Gleeson's going to go say he's dull or he doesn't want to talk to him or music. It, it, that's very... I hesitate to use the word repetitive, but there is a pattern and you do notice the pattern. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, um, up until this movie, I've never really... Like, Seven Psychopaths and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, they are fine films. They are great films to watch. But they never reached the height of Imbruges for me. They never did. Um, oh, Banshees of Inishirin does not reach the height of Imbruges. I think Imbruges... I, I think Imbruges because Martin McDonough had such a command of, of, of what the genre of a crime thriller is supposed to be. Also, you that, had a fantastic performance from Ray Fiennes. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think he was able to add his zest, but still give us the 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 elements of a crime thriller that we all expect and want. Um. So yeah, that's why I think Bruges is such a high watermark for Martin McDonough. Mm. Um, that being said, I did enjoy Banshees of Inisherin more than I enjoyed Seven Psychopaths or Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, I think the performances I definitely enjoyed it more than Three Billboards. I fully admit that. So, I think the performances are exceptional across the board, from the main cast to the bit players. I think it's exceptional. It's funny. I don't. I know we haven't mentioned the comedy, but this movie is funny. There are a lot of funny scenes in this movie. Um, they're always kind of the same element of Brendan Gleeson asking a variation of, of, or, or Colin Farrell asking a variation of why won't you talk to me? And, uh, Brendan Gleeson saying like, stop talking to me, but it, it's funny. Um, you know, the cinematography is gorgeous. Uh, 
the the music's the music's very very good uh i i will agree with c that because again by the time this review comes out it's not going to be in theaters um if it does pop up on streaming you should give it a watch uh that being said i do give this a a a i give this a very moderate flush Okay. Um, I think I think not this an move... Irish flush. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Irish flush, sure. A banshee flush, or whatever. Sure. <laughs> um, but okay, you. I'm sorry. Go on. I give this a. I give this a, a banshee flush. A, a fiddle flush. Yeah, let's go with that. There fiddle we flush. go. That's good. Uh, I give this a fiddle flush. I think. I think if you're someone who really likes, who, like, if you're into good performances, this is like a drug. You're like, oh, everyone's at the top of their A game. There, there's never a scene where you're like, you're like, uh, this person was the weak link. There's never a scene like that. When, when the quality of the acting is good, even from like the bit players, what can you say? It's Martin McDonough that has, has excelled, has, has gone above and beyond the Call of Duty. Um, you know, this is not a fox because it, it is. Re- and I don't like using this word, but it is repetitive. Um, ultimately, the the film has a meandering spirit about itself on its first viewing. So, so like she says, and it, it, and it enjoys that. But it yeah. enjoys that, and and unfortunately, as an audience member, you'll kind of your eyes will kind of like wander. So a, a, a film that fucks will never, ever do that. This film does do that. Although I will agree with C that maybe on a second viewing, I'll be like, oh, oh, now that I know it's an allegory, the, the metaphor, the visual metaphors are really, really good. But, you know. Um, so, yeah, this is, a, this is a fiddle flush for me. Um, I think if, if you see it on streaming services, give it a watch. If you've enjoyed if you've enjoyed his other work, then by all means, this is like a ne- necessary viewing. If you've seen his other works, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, uh, see, I guess that wraps up our review for the Banshees of Inishirin. Uh This has been what do you think? I'm Al. I'm a metaphor. I'm just I'm, I'm C. I'm C. You're so dulcy. You're uh, you're just very dulcy. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? God, <laughs> oh my God! I just sounded like. But get my luck. Get uh, let me try my lucky charms. Oh, I gotta stop. That's awful. Yeah. All right. Goodbye, everybody. I hate myself. Bye.